Hello and welcome to another episode of Bullet Points. I'm your co-host Ed Smith. I'm joined by uh, my other co-hosts, Reed McCarter. Ah, uh, that's yep, that's me. And Astrid Budgor. Hello. And today we are continuing our special series on Metal Gear Solid with a discussion of Metal Gear Solid 2 Sons of Liberty. I'm going to begin by plugging the book, if that's okay with everyone else. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. Uh, let's not no do, do, we, do we do that later? No, no. I'm saying, I'm saying that I do not protest because I have written lots of stuff. Oh. Uh, well, I think it's gauche, but you can continue. It is it is gauche, and the the way I've the way I've introduced it is graceless. <laughs> yeah, but well, maybe we'd all be making more money if we were a little bit less. You Have know. you noticed how these podcasts start? These podcasts always start with me like, "Hello, this is Ed Smith, and welcome to another episode of Bullet Points." And then it devolves into, and then and then that's it. Yeah, I've got about yeah. thirty seconds worth of quality kind of disc jockey esque. <laughs> patter and then it's like well should i should i do this now <laughs> should i say this now what do you guys think what, what should i say now well um yeah okay sorry please these these podcasts are being released in conjunction with a book called okay hero which the three of us are co-writing uh, on the metal gear solid series that's going to be available to buy soon in the meantime though yeah please just listen to uh, these shows as they come out and continue checking out bulletpointsmonthly.com this should really all be at the end yeah. I'm, I'm doing everything arse backwards this week i mean like Look, it's metal gear solid okay it's it's postmodern we're messing with the form <laughs> all right i'm breaking the 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 podcast fourth wall and doing things like you wouldn't expect <laughs> Ooh, okay, so anyway, Metal Gear Solid 2, let's just uh, let's do the first thing first. Let's actually talk about the game, mm-hmm. I, I admit. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not very skilled at the postmodern breaking stuff. That's not my style. Uh, so we've done Metal Gear Solid. We did the original Metal Gear Solid. We talked about that. Now, what are the, some of the things that we talked about in that episode? <laughs> that's a... remember, remember, we recorded these only a week apart from each other. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> That's Remember? correct, and we definitely yeah. didn't record the first episode twice because we lost an entire audio Ooh. track. What did uh, we talk about? We were I favorable. I think we summarized, sort of summarized our articles, and mm-hmm. like discussed points we didn't raise in the articles, and then I think we briefly broached the idea that the Metal Gear series or the Metal Gear Solid series. I'm sorry. Um, originally was meant to look a lot different than it ended up looking and that i think the point at which that sort of timeline split is when metal gear solid 2 was originally intended to be the final game is that right oh that may have come up yeah yeah because i think that was sort of important to how i was going to approach this one right just like Uh, with that in mind i guess i remember one of the things that we did on the the first episode was made it clear that Astrid, you're out of the three of us, you're the one who's playing these games for the first time. You're the one who has the freshest eyes on them. Yeah. So as as I recall, we threw first to you for your first impressions. Because it's not it's not often nowadays when you're talking to uh anyone really who's interested in video games that they 
you know, have not played a Metal Gear Solid game. That's not that sounds like a little bit of a kind of backhanded insult. That's not what I mean. It's just it's interesting. No, you're right though, yeah. It's interesting to, to, to be talking to someone who is playing these games now looking back. Um, one, one time I talked to my <clears throat> my granddad and I said, uh, have you played Metal Gear Solid 2? And he said no. And I said, you're fucking stupid. You're dumb. You're stupid old man, get, is what I called him. Get real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah turn, your, turn your brain on. And I said, you're not even a real gamer, granddad. <laughs> get with the program yeah tune into reality fm that's right um, um sorry but astrid what were your thoughts on Metal Gear solid 2 i think um uh, so overall it reminded me a lot of something that something that if i had played it in like high school um i would have been like just like obsessed with um it has that sort of like uh like very obvious like metafictional like recursive self-referential stuff that tends to grab you when that you're that age um it reminds me sort of of uh end of evangelion like the movie that ended the evangelion anime after the series ended and nobody was happy with that the movie came out and i think even less people were happy with that. Um, so, and it has a lot of this sort of like, it's not like a straightforward, like uh, narrative, like it's sort of flipping back on itself and remixing stuff from earlier. And the same is true of Metal Gear Solid 2, except I, it really didn't grab me until the last few hours. Um, I played for, 10 hours before getting to like the final section of the game and it really plays it close to the vest i think yeah uh, we we talked about that with the first game but i think the first game has more of a varied journey through the like the base shadow moses and stuff and there's a little more to chew on i think this one feels a little more dry and like business like until the end like there's obviously like the there's some stuff in here that's like sort of uh outre or like strange but i don't know it didn't quite grab me as much as the first game i see i think this is like kind of interesting too and i think ed probably played this in the same kind of like circumstances as i did you know ed and i being veteran uh kojima heads you know both with our, yeah. our our matching tattoos of the man's face on our yeah, backs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, genome, genome soldiers. <laughs> that's right. Um, but uh, I, I think the way that probably a decent amount of people too, like I played the first Metal Gear a bunch when I was whatever age. And then you know, was, like, old enough that I was, like, saving up money and, like, bought a PlayStation 2 with, like, I think my first job was specifically to, like, buy a PlayStation 2 to play this game. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, that's pretty much the only reason I kept playing video games was every time a new Metal Gear came out. It was, like, the only thing that I cared about with video games for a long time. Um, but, so, I think when you have, like, a reverence or 
reverence is too strong, but like a, an affection and like a willingness to, you know, you're really curious about what this game that you played that was so the first Metal Gear Solid, where it was so sort of like striking and, um, and everything and, and so memorable with like the different bosses and like all these huge outsized characters and everything. And then you see this second game and you're kind of like waiting for it to do these things. Um, and so I think that like propelled me through it when I was whatever age, like when it first came out, I think I played it over like, you know, a weekend or something. And I was like, I don't even know if I liked it really, but I was just like fascinated and I had to know what it was doing. Um, and then I didn't really understand it. I think I wasn't like mad or anything. I was just like, it made me feel weird and like uncomfortable, which I think is also part of the aesthetic of the game is how it, I mean, Ed wrote about yeah. this, but it has this sort of like uneasy feeling of of being not quite real. Like all the big shell stuff feels like sort of dreamy or nightmarish more so. But it doesn't, I think because the first Metal Gear Solid is like a more sort of like straightforward plot and sort of like kind of drives forward a lot harder. And this one, that like it definitely has the stakes, but the stakes keep changing all the time. Like of the big shell stuff where it's like you have to you know rescue the president but like things just change constantly like it's never the same goal really all the way through um but i think it's like in conjunction with the first one is what makes it work but it's not maybe as like enjoyable as just like a story being told to you i don't know if that makes sense i kind of rambled a lot yeah i mean i think the the, the big shell stuff, um, sorry, like the bulk of the game has that sort of like uncanny vibe to it or like, like you're not sure, or I wasn't sure, obviously, like how much of it was meant to be sort of uh, cueing you toward something larger going on and how much was just like echoing the first game in like a general sense. Um, and obviously all that stuff is like part of what's actually going on. But, yeah, for a while, it's sort of you're sort of noticing the symmetries, and you sort of don't know why they're there, I guess, yeah, and you can't tell if some of it is like you know they're making the same kind of game again because it's right, a like sequel, some of that stuff would naturally it's... happen, yeah, but i I still love, and this is like one of the details that um that was like so strange when. I was young, right? I played the part with, like, the tanker or whatever at the beginning, and then I think, you know, I came back to it the next day, and you start it up, and it's, like, the the big shell part, and it starts again, and you're like, well, what the hell's going on here? And then they're calling Raiden Snake um, and saying all these things, and he's, like, kind of doing a snake voice at the very beginning. Like, he's, like, trying to, like, sound more gravelly and everything, and it's just so... And then the, you know, the colonel is back and like, I think it very intentionally wants you to feel strange. Like, yeah. Well, you, Raiden is, he's like masked at the beginning, right? Yeah. He's wearing that like, yeah. Yeah. With like the oxygen thing that looks like a skull. Yeah. Um, and then you meet Snake like pretty soon after that too. And so it's like even more disorienting. I don't know. I think it's it's really effective at 
at getting and also like the stuff we'll talk about later i'm sure but like getting at a lot of the themes which it makes really explicit later but like communicating them just through um you know the the choices with like the characters and the way everything looks and feels one of the things that i think is consistent in nightmares is you meet the same people in your nightmares but they look different i think especially this is something that is presented in david lynch's interpretations of nightmares that if you think of the is it the lodge or the red room or whatever it's called in twin peaks mm-hmm. where different maybe that's not the best example actually um Think about, like, um, I think we've talked about this before, too, but, like, The Sopranos. Right, yeah. Yeah. Where it can be the same person, and you know in your dream it's the same person, but they don't look like the person that they do in reality. Or it's like a figure that you repeatedly meet in your nightmares, but they take different forms. But you know it's the same figure, but it looks different. Yeah. I think what you have in Metal Gear Solid 2 is, yeah, you've got, quote, Snake. You've got snake himself but he's called now Pliskin. you've got um, instead of the DARPA chief it's now like the president instead of the hind it's the harrier instead of mm-hmm. you know the, the ninja from the first game you've got this ninja with a sort of more feminine voice and I I'm not sure whether that's an effect that you appreciate consciously as you're playing it necessarily but that's probably doubles the effect because nightmares and dreams are you know supposed to exist subconsciously i think it does have that queasy element and that uncertainty and i do think that it eventually pays off but i can understand someone playing it for the first time and being somewhat frustrated and sort of uncertain by it uh, you know left uncertain by it because a lot of the game plays very similarly to the first game. A lot of it seems yeah. a little humdrum. The, the, the section where you're kind of hunting for bombs, and it's mm-hmm. just like a lot of backtracking up and down. Yeah. The big shell, the big shell itself is aesthetically, I think, quite dull. I think that, yeah, I think that is the, the crux of sort of what I was feeling, is that the big shell is just not a particularly exciting space. Um, it just doesn't... It doesn't really pop like visually. Um, the every area is sort of just like, well, here's a room with some boxes. Uh, here's like an office. Here's some cubicles. Like here's a warehouse. Like it's just, it's very like industrial and like utilitarian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I mean, I like it a lot now. I like, but I wonder about how much of it too is like when I think of it, I think of like that like when fortune shows up and it has that kind of i don't know moody sort of like almost completely cheesy saxophone soundtrack going on <laughs> and just sort of the way it like I, I know a lot of it does take place during the day as well but the what sticks out are the sun rising and the sun setting in that game and just feeling because it's out in the ocean and there's no land anywhere nearby and it just feeling like this isolated space that's i don't know sort of it's not like haunted in the way that like shadow moses is but it feels just sort of eerie like it's it's just a place where 
but like more clinical i guess too yeah yeah that like obviously the the um the sort of mood of shadow moses was the thing that i really connected with in the first game and yeah this is obviously it's just as like functional a space like there were there's scientists there but again they're sort of like being evacuated um and it's just sort of like a i don't know there's just not the same emptiness but i again like it's hard to talk about that stuff because it's one of those where they take the story as one of those things where it's like well that's you know that's for a reason um it's not this because it's actually that or like this person acts that way because they're actually an AI or whatever. Like, it's one of those stories where everything is justified in the end. Um, so, like, mm. it's just a question of, like, whether the uh, the means that they use to impart that feeling before it's revealed are, like, effective. And I guess... I think they weren't for a lot of people, too. And I think it's, like, why... Yes. For a long time, because like Metal Gear Solid Three came out, and everyone was like, "Oh, this is fantastic! This is so mm-hmm. great!" And I think a lot of it is stuff like Metal Gear Solid Three. I think is a lot. It's a lot more varied visually, um, the spaces that you're moving through, and the story is also a lot more propulsive than this one as well. It's sort of more straightforward. It almost feels like a response to the way this one is like, i don't know i i understand that i like this game a lot but it's also it's very it's like a weird game to be a super big budget like heavily marketed back in the day game yeah that everyone was expected to like turn out and and like it's it's um it's not like a real big crowd pleaser kind of um, which I think is I, is part of the reason I think it's really interesting that that you know Kojima at all had the ability to sort of do what they wanted after the first Metal Gear Solid one, and they made something so kind of like almost confrontational. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's why I like the writing character so much, is because of the boldness of the decision to drop the mascot for the first game, the, the character behind whom everyone had rallied and had become um, the brand. Mm-hmm. To yeah. not kill him off, but, you know, to bin him off. Um, and then cast as the star, not wanting to generalize and stereotype and presume, but to cast as the star a character who I, I don't think is readily accepted or would be readily accepted by the kind of people who gravitated originally towards Snake because Snake you've got grizzled, muscular, brunette, cropped hair, very militarized looking kind of you know Kyle Reese from Terminator individual and then uh-huh. in Metal Gear Solid you're playing as you know someone who's androgynous and effete and blonde and long-haired mm-hmm. and kind of kind of dweeby and um, like lithe and and a little bit peevish at times mm-hmm. but still I think a really interesting character still a character that actually I, I find more interesting and I, I, I uh, want to kind of <clears throat> delve into more than I do Snake like Snake I always found kind of predictable you know I live in the Alaskan wilderness people just complicate my life um, whereas Raiden 
I didn't feel like I had a handle on that character. Like, like when you start playing Metal Gear Solid as Snake, it's like, oh yeah, I, I get it. Raiden, um, you know, at first I think it's kind of confusing. Who is this person? Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, well, you know, I, I never instantly felt like I knew what the character was supposed to be in the way that I did with Snake. And I think that I like Metal Gear Solid 2 for making a decision like that. And um, also, for, yeah, for some of the other, other stuff it does, like back-end all of its answers and back-end a lot of the sort of visual luster yeah. and save all of the <coughs> save all of the explanation and, and save all of the justification for its dull bits until the end. Because I think they are justified. I think you do end up coming down on its side and sort of appreciating why it was doing what it was doing. It's kind of like, you know, you, you don't realise how smart your parents were until you're older. <laughs> And I, I feel like that is you know, dynamic with Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, I, I like, like you said, Reed, I really like this game. And I think that the first and the second one together are very complementary. And I think that if the series had ended after this one, I would have been quite happy. Well, actually, no, because I remember playing this as a 12-year-old. And I played it all in one day. I bought it in the morning. I just played it until I finished it. And after the credits... Obviously, the game has been based around the Patriots, the Patriots' control, and who are the Patriots? Yeah. You know, the Patriots, the ones behind everything. And then there's that phone conversation between Articon and Snake. And Articon says, well, they're already dead. All 12 of them. Well, when did it happen? About 100 years ago. And my my 12-year-old brain just like... What? <laughs> and you know, like steam coming out of my ears and nose. You can't do that. And um, yeah. so, had the series ended there, then I would have been a little thrown. But otherwise, yeah. but then, but then he, I, I know. And then they made the third one, and they were like, "Yeah, we're going back in time to the 60s Yeah. So the last thing that anyone says in this game is Snake going, "What the hell?" When he hears that yeah, they're all that's dead. Right. <laughs> Which I think is great, though. Yeah, but I, mean, I. This is sort of what I was wanting to talk about. This like switch between two and three, given that. Uh, two was, you said two was meant to be the last one. I think they all. I think. They're all meant to be the last one. Like, yeah. Kojima was going to leave after the first Metal Gear Solid, and then he was going to leave after the second, and then mm. the third, and then the fourth. And, you know, it, it, they're all kind of meant to be the last one. So we could have this conversation on basically every episode, I think. <laughs> um, well, it's kind of interesting in every one, though, as well, that each one of them... It is. ...seems... But I think there was something about... Like, he's... I think was more into the idea of doing two... Mm. wasn't he I, I don't know this stuff is all it's like yeah. all this like fucking myth making and everything as well yeah, right 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 i think that two given that two sort of moves forward and like bends back on one in like a super explicit way and then for three to sort of go back in time and like just make a new path for itself is interesting well <clears throat> yeah we should come back to this at three because it is connected like mm-hmm. pretty it, but but I it's think... not like a it's not a direct sequel to two no it's not like let's go find the patriots bodies or whatever yeah and it's really interesting i think the first three games i mean i i sort of depending on 
the day alternate between the first or the second one being my favorite. Um, but three is, there's a lot I don't like about three, but there's, mm-hmm. I think three is the last one where it felt like there was still some like juice, you know, like there was some like creative impetus behind making these things. And then it's just, um, you'll get to a point in these games where it starts to feel like, okay, we're trying to answer things now. And it just becomes less and less sort of like enjoyable and exciting. Um, but I think in two, you have like kind of the height of, of the idea of that being the end of these games of being like, there is essentially this amorphous shadowy force that controls culture and well, essentially the entire world. And let's go get them you know snake diving off after to go chase after fucking his brother his clone brother living in revolver ocelot's arm and (laughs) you know and like going off to chase that and you're like yeah fuck yeah and then you know the idea of like Raiden and snake are maybe going to team up and they're going to traipse across the world to find these patriots and kill them but oh no they're dead and it's just like this whole thing of like sort of saying no there is no way forward from this you know right this is yeah. not something you you can murder to like you're not going to find a bunch of dudes sitting in a boardroom cackling and, and gun them down after you know infiltrating <laughs> their sky rise like i i think that's kind of like the most fitting end to it and three i think manages to do kind of by going back in time and stuff i think kind of enhances that as well but um, two is really, I think, the greatest sort of way of saying that this is what these games are. This is not like the subversion of of these being like military shooter games um, is really well done. I think by the end of this one, that's an interesting point because the thing that always used to <clears throat> irk me slightly, even when I was. Uh... An infant <laughs> playing that sort of um, in your diaper. Yeah. Was the codec conversations and the implications in character presentation, just law and everything, was that you're playing as you know these extremely well-trained, legendary soldiers who are capable of infiltrating and killing and surviving almost you know in this way that makes them look effortless. But to actually play the games, they're really unwieldy and clumsy. And just aiming and firing a gun in Metal Gear Solid 2 is so difficult. Mm-hmm. I like running and shooting at the same time. I think involves you know pressing maybe like four buttons or something, and doing anything with sort of panache and accuracy and you know, grace is really hard and that especially when you're playing as Raiden who is this incredibly graceful looking character you know and does these with like the press of a button can do this amazing kind of front or backwards cartwheel without even using his hands and wears this skin tight bodysuit and it's like you know it's chiseled to the proportions of like David um, even when you're playing that character executing something that looks like beautiful or, or looks fluid or live is really really hard yeah. and 
what you were just saying, Reed, you know, about this sort of subversion or inversion of military shooter, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence in the sense of I don't think the military shooter was necessarily the, the kind of moloch that it's become. Uh, yeah, no, that's now, true. When Metal Gear Solid 2 was around, right? I don't think that sub- it was something that was even... <clears throat> it, it would necessarily uh, occur to people to subvert or being in need of subversion. At the same time, it's undeniable that the games play against you. You know, the combat plays against you. Now, on one level, that's like a mechanical thing. You know, it's meant to be a stealth game, so it follows that they make confrontation difficult but on the other hand there are points in the game where you have to have confrontation you're playing as characters who are constantly talking about one another's you know combat abilities and what training have you had what unit were you with and I basically I come the only thing I can think of is it's just like not necessarily an oversight it's just something that wasn't particularly paid much attention to is is like the the movement and the shooting and just the way that, or maybe like technology or whatever, just the, the, the ideas behind how you make a character move and run and shoot and whatever in third person on a console game weren't as, you know, developed as they are nowadays. This is like before, you know, you're Uncharted or maybe even before Kill Switch. You know, that what's often credited as the first cover shooter. Yeah, I think that it's was later on. <coughs> 2003. Um... So one of the things that I find, I'm making a very long point out of this. One of the things that I find difficult about replaying Metal Gear Solid 2 and one of the things that bothered me about it to begin with even when it was first out was that there is all this interesting thematic stuff there and something like interesting character stuff and I, I think it's designed beautifully, I think it looks great. But actually playing it is a real pain and especially if you want to play it in the way that it's kind of implied that you ought to, which is like avoid being seen and um, you know, you, you, you're supposed to be like a special agent who is like immaculately able, playing it in a way that preserves that pretense is extremely fussy. There's a bit in Metal Gear Solid 3, not to jump the gun, the virtuous mission bit at the start, where uh, Major Zero specifically tells you, you know, you can't leave any shell casings behind. You can't leave any evidence of you having been here at all. You've got to be a ghost, or else it's going to cause an international incident. But actually, playing the game in a way that you achieve that yeah. is is very very difficult. It's possible. It just takes a lot of like saving and reloading. Yeah. Um, There's a bridge right at the beginning of Metal Gear Solid Three that every time turns into like just a fucking bloodbath. Yeah, every time I play it. Like, right after he says that. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, there's something about, you know, talking about the sort of quality of the story and the writing in this game, I, I agree. I really do. I think that it's... It, to quote, like, credit Bioshock, you know, subverting the idea of whether what we hear in video games is reliable. Yeah. I, I, I think yeah. that Metal Gear Solid 2 predates that like, yeah. massively. But, at the same time... Um, it's, it's certainly not cogent. I think I'm a bit I'm a bit of a stickler for this because I'm a bit kind of holistic. I think everything's got the sort of gel, um, and this that doesn't and it frustrates me. I know what you mean, but at the same time, like even in the first Metal Gear Solid, I think part of it is you do have the great sense of actual danger because these characters can die 
pretty quickly mm. um, when you fuck up. Um, mm. But I think the one thing is, because I, I agree with you, I think it's it's really not until like Metal Gear Solid Five that you actually feel like you're in. Uh, actually, four you feel like pretty in control of how the characters are moving and stuff too. Um, but you do have this like kind of like superhuman awareness that that to me has always made it feel a little bit like they know like you have the soliton radar in both of these um that makes it feel more like these characters are better at being soldiers than the soldiers they're running up against you know like the the soldiers are still it's like how they're positioned that makes them a threat you are always more capable of of sort of like toying with them you know knocking on a wall and making them come over like a goofball and all these things like it like i don't have as much of a problem with that um i think also like the trank gun in this game and the silencers and stuff add something to it where even though it's a bit clunky it feels like the characters i don't know it just it doesn't get me as much i still feel like i can imagine that these people are more capable like Snake and Raiden are, are, you know, it's not like Call of Duty style, uh, modern warfare, the yeah. modern warfare style where it's like surgical, um, but it it still does feel like these characters are, you know, a cut above. Yeah, I mean, that seems like an issue that is just at odds with the the nature of how video games have been designed forever leaving you room to like uh master whatever the game has given you to use i guess like these systems and mechanics and weapons and move sets and stuff like there's always that expectation that like oh you need to be doing something mm-hmm. you have to the skill component of video games is almost like intractable mm-hmm. um and i mean i think in metal gear solid one you have that sort of like very rigid movement like snake snake moves on like a certain set of directions um in metal gear solid 2 there's more of like a circular fluidity to where you can take ride and like if you move this stick he's not like snapping left right up he's like sort of arcing around mm-hmm. and it feels a little more a little more balletic or like it has the potential for that um, like the animation for his like sort of jump kick and stuff there yeah it suggests that sort of like fluidity um, but then actually engaging in combat I found really yeah really fiddly and like it was not something I wanted to do um, and I think that's maybe why it took so long to get through the sort of the big shell stuff is because I don't like getting like caught out in stealth games i don't like raising alarms and stuff so i was taking a lot of time to like avoid like gunfire and like open combat stuff you gotta give up on that for the next one i know you just gotta kill 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 (laughs) (laughs) but this game is also the the sort of situation that raiden eventually realizes that he's in is that he's being sort of like tested um (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a justification for the way that the game would probably be designed anyway. 
but in this case it sort of fits thematically it does i do when i was saying like counter to you ed that like i do feel maybe not as strongly as you on that point like i still do think that is like if this game controlled like you know uh phantom pain or something it may be a better it may be kind of work better on the whole and i think it's something that you see in these games um across each one with how much they tinker with the systems and this game like you know i remember playing the demo for this or whatever and just being like oh if you wanted to you could spend hours and hours like a fighting game like becoming really good at this because there's just like so many affordances for like the ways that you can you know flip off of something and hang onto the ledge and then shimmy up and hold up a guy and pat him down and take his gun or something and all these different things but it is if you're not you know (laughs) if you're just like a person who's going to play through it the way you're supposed to yeah to see it i played it like that i insisted on playing it like that i the way that i used to play it and it became the only way that i could play the game was to have no alerts, no like interactions with the guards at all. I couldn't, I couldn't hold them up. I couldn't shoot them. I couldn't do anything. It's like a, I, I, the only way that I could kind of countenance playing it was to be, you know, complete kind of ghost mode. And my challenge was to make it through the entire game without any alerts, without tranquilizing anyone, killing anyone, knocking anyone out, doing anything. Um, and I got to a point where I could do it. It just took, you know, save and reloading, save and reloading, save and reloading. Wild. Um, and what, what I will say, I counter to my own point, <laughs> is that although I got to the point where I could play it like that, and I'd play it through like that and watch the cutscenes and still kind of imbibe everything, it didn't add to anything. I was playing it exactly how you know it's implied that these characters ought to be uh, performing, um, but it didn't add to anything. Uh, yeah. It, just made, right. it, made it, it made it more miserable. It made it kind of more staccato. And <laughs> yeah. We've got. We've got about twenty minutes. We, you know, we try and keep these to about an hour. And I want to, I want to sort of take a time check. <laughs> time fast approaching uh, quarter to five now. This is the travel news. No. Um, I mean, we haven't. We should probably like discuss the sort of the meat of the game, which is really the last bit. I think. I think there's two things to discuss. The first thing is, yeah, is that. The other thing I'd like to discuss is um, a select few of the characters. I'd like to discuss specifically Emma. And Otacon mm. and Vamp uh-huh. um, and Olga. Uh-huh. Um, let's start though with the, the climactic stuff. So, Astrid, again, as someone who has come <laughs> to this for the first time, did you know the, the outcome? Did you know the, the plot and the twists and all the revelations? Um, I think I had at some point known that Raiden was talking to a simulation or an AI, but also that's the thing that happens in the first game, in a way. Um, So I was sort of expecting something, especially because the colonel is never named, he's never Campbell or whatever. Oh, Um, is that true? Yeah, it's just the colonel. Even once Raiden is like, oh, Snake, what's going on? He's like, the colonel's behavior. Uh, Otacon keeps calling him the colonel. Huh. So it, it's slightly, maybe not, like, uh, hinted at, but there's something, like, off about it. 
before yeah. he actually starts like glitching out and stuff. I this is like really brief aside, but is it just me or because every time I've played this game, I always think like the colonel's voice sounds slightly metallic throughout the entire game. But I don't know. Like even the first time I played it, I thought, but I thought it was just the actor, uh-huh. you know, or like a recording studio, like the actor getting a bit older or something. But yeah, I don't know if they put a slight filter on his voice. Uh, I've never noticed that, but <laughs> get your ears cleaned. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's pretty much all I knew was that at some point, uh, the colonel is like. There's a twist about like what Raiden thinks he's doing, um, and then also having read about Metal Gear Solid Four, I knew that the Patriots were like a, a virtual consciousness. Right. Yeah. I kind of. Okay. I had no idea that Iroquois Pliskin was Solid Snake, though. Uh, <laughs> yeah, who who would have guessed that? <laughs> but so um, I actually okay. I knew that people were like. <clears throat> really thought that this game like went off the rails and like sort of got really wild and i was sort of expecting more mm. maybe than what is actually transpiring i think it's kind of like oversold how yes. off the rails yeah, it goes that's a good way. Yeah. until sort of it's like the length of the conversations that become i think that eventually give it the impression of right but yeah. if you're like if you're paying attention it follows the stuff they're talking mm-hmm. about and they're mainly just talking about different like cultural theories and media theories and stuff you know like especially yeah, as you get like... older it becomes less <laughs> like right. opaque um yeah it's all like uh uh the nature of the self and like consciousness and like politics in an era where everything is like subject to tampering and like uh simulation and stuff like that it just, yeah, it's at such length that it begins to feel like some kind of, like, rhetorical labyrinth. It, it reminds me of, and it's not, it's, it's much more entertaining and also much less <laughs> odious and, like, heinous. But there's a, a chapter in At the Shrugged. Um, oh, is this that, where the one dude just, like, talks forever? This is John Galt speaking. I haven't read this, but I know talk, it's, yeah. yeah. And it's, it's seventy. It's seventy pages. Oh Christ! That's how I talk. Him delivering his speech <laughs> to America. And yeah, it's just it's it's Ayn Rand's. You know, it's her manifesto. It's just her politics yeah, as yeah, laid yeah. out through you know using the character as a mouthpiece. Um, and it becomes apparent that that's what it is about. Kind of like maybe three paragraphs into the first page, <laughs> and then you kind of flick forward to see where the next chapter starts. And you're like, oh, okay, there's another seventy pages of this riveting shit and then um, ed ed shrugged after that ed, shr- ed, ed shrugged ed shrugged yeah um, um and I, yeah. I i feel like metal gear solid 2 kind of dips a toe over that line but at the same time i also don't think that it's necessarily boasting to have answers i think it's it's not saying like this is what i think and it's not like a kind of manifesto for how society should be or or how we should behave yeah. It, yeah. it's more kind of poking holes and saying imagine that imagine this and oh, maybe this and maybe that and it's I, I, we've talked I think not maybe on the show itself but just among ourselves about um, Adam Curtis's documentaries yeah which and I use the term loosely and I, I also think so does he 
uh, where I don't watch it, you know, hoping to kind of learn something that I'd be comfortable repeating to people verbatim and wholesale and, and confident that it's absolute fact. I watch those films because it's entertaining to just kind of see through his eyes and kind of have that perspective. It's just, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like an entertaining worldview, and he presents it really entertainingly. And I find that with Metal Gear Solid 2 as well. I'm, I'm, I'm listening to what's being said, and I, I'm, I want to hear more. I'm fascinated by it, but I'm not taking it as truth. Um, well, it's... It, there are parts of it that I think are provocative, but I'm uh-huh. nodding going, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I, I don't... I think when people say this stuff now and it's become, like, this thing where they're like, oh, it's so prophetic. And it's like, no, it was kind of... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> using its position as a video game sequel to a game about, you know, sort of the <laughs> war and everything to filter these things in. I think one thing is it, it does... You know, it, it is, to me, a very, like, um, start of the war on terror kind of game. Uh, yes. Even though it was made before that. But I also think you don't need to have had September 11th to have happened to say these things about kind of, you know, and, and this is kind of what I wrote about for my thing, like the idea of it taking place on this island that crashes into, you know, downtown Manhattan. Um, yeah. All this stuff, but I think, like, I was thinking, actually, of Adam Curtis as well, like, when I, when I think of the end of this game, and sort of this endless, like, would ask her what you called, like, rhetorical labyrinth of just continuing to say this, you know, this is something that's happening, this is something that's happening, this is where we're yeah. going. It's, it is like that Adam Curtis thing of uh, just sort of, like, someone essentially saying, here's lots of stuff that I know about that is true from the world that you can you can see is true um this is the context i want you to think about it in and then i'm going to keep adding like sound that makes you feel kind of nauseated and like Mm. depressed and anxious and i'm going to keep piling it on until at the end you feel like the future is enormously grim and that we're sort of fucked um but then kojima i think has some slight optimistic streak in this thing where at the, you know he yeah, he ends it yeah i think he stops doing that going forward but i think in metal gear solid <laughs> one and two he's like you know everything is terrible but here are some things that can kind of carry you forward yeah there's sort of like that um i don't know like almost that naive like exhortation in both metal gear solid one and two at the end where it's like just these sort of like uh i don't know like these true it's like let's keep going forward into the future we need to pass positivity onto our children just all these sort of like weirdly yeah <laughs> like weirdly straightforward like hey player go make the world better i kind of like that to be honest like snake speech at the end before it shows like the statue of liberty yeah <laughs> uh yeah it's like about like media preservation and like cultural memory it's really weird well he says stuff too about like you know essentially when everything is is this terrible and you can't count on these different things it's like you can teach the next generation about like poetry and like (laughs) music and it's like it's super fucking corny but at the same time it's like i don't know that actually is kind of like the only thing that keeps me from despair (laughs) is that you have things that are simple and beautiful in humanity um but yeah the 
the scene atop the is it atop the shell where everyone starts confronting each other or atop arsenal gear or something i wasn't Mm -hmm. quite clear it's the same Um, thing right isn't it it, yeah okay more or less yeah because when he gets to the top yeah um and everyone's like (laughs) there's like a double cross and then there's a triple cross and then there's like here's what's really happening and then it's like no here's the final curtain pull and it's like Mm -hmm. it just keeps flipping it's really interesting because like the whole game sort of like like that's all cutscenes and stuff. You sort of fight the the Metal Gear rays, and then you fight Solidus at the end. But between that is like this sort of behemoth mm-hmm. series of reveals and stuff. Um, which again, that's something that happens in the first game, but it like greatly reduced scale. Um, it's just sort of liquid talking shit for like five or ten minutes, and in this one, it's just like it's just yeah, it's at length. Um, I, I liked but I also started like sort of nodding off during it because it, it does have that sort of trancey thing to it yeah. especially those like codec calls with like the AI kernel where it's just oh my God. Yeah. it's just sort of like these industrial sounds in the background like every once in a while it's like a drum going like doom and it that just I, like, yeah. goes like it's cool like, but it it's long yeah. there's the one with the kernel or the AI Colonel and then the AI Rose. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. We're just like saying, like, Ryan, you fucking moron. Like, stop denying everything about your past and stop being an asshole to everyone. And he's just like, oh, I'm just doing what I'm told. And they're like, no, you're a piece of shit. And they keep calling, yeah, Jack the Ripper and like all this stuff. And it's like, do you know why we call you Ryden? Do you know why we call you Jack? Like, just every possible like <laughs> allegorical connection that the game could raise like mm-hmm. lightly it just like ends up telling you what it means yeah um and that yeah that's the cumulative effect of that is just like super overwhelming um uh and i also like the section leading up to like the top of the shell the top of arsenal when yeah the colonel begins to like um the virus is affecting him i guess Mm-hmm. So he's like popping up. He's like, "Ride, turn the game console off right now," or like he's like, "I got abducted by aliens," or whatever. And talking about like a divorce and like <laughs> he's like, "Ride," and I saw. Uh, is it? He says he saw Rose like leaving some guy's room. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's like, "Sorry, I gotta tell like, you this." Yeah, it's so. He's like, "I'm sorry to do this in the middle of a mission," um, and then yeah, he has like a skull for a face at one point. The, the camera angles and the codec keep changing. There's, like, live-action video. It's just... It becomes, like, very, very... Uh, I don't know. I really like that stuff. Like, um, when Rose calls you and she's like, I'm having your baby, but it's, like... <laughs> this oh, yeah. Stat- like... This static screen, and she's like, your baby. <laughs> it's, like, kind of unnerving. I don't know. It is. I think that whole section leading up to it where, like, before you meet up with Snake again, yeah, you're just and like in like, hell. <laughs> yeah, and the big shell, the names for the rooms become. Yeah, they're like rectum. Yeah, they like become ascendant like colon. Yeah, yeah, that was great. Yeah, uh, and then Raiden just obviously naked at the height of his vulnerability, just being assaulted by these fucking d- demonic voice calls. It's like every three seconds the codec goes off. Yeah, 
it's really I, good yeah i think that's really strong i do have some like reservations about um i guess i'd wanted to talk about these characters as well but like the last thing i wanted to say about the structure is i think sort of like uh loading everything into the last you know two or three hours or whatever in metal gear solid one and in this one i think yeah kind of works for what these games are with like trying to be sort of like a descent into these concepts and into yeah uh these like greater conspiracies but i i don't think it's necessarily great storytelling i think metal gear solid one gets away with it a little bit better because it's briefer yeah but this one is incredibly inelegant uh construction of these plots like people get mad about that scene in the matrix where the guy the architect is like sitting in front of the tvs and stuff this is straight out of that playbook like yeah just like trying to blow your mind through like sheer mass of information it's almost the last thing i'll say about this ending sequence personally is uh at the end of ghost in the shell the movie there's this scene where the puppet master and major kusanagi are like neural linked Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like it's like a like a tenth of the length of the end of Metal Gear Solid Two, but it gets at a lot of the same ideas actually about like yeah the nature and the origin of consciousness and like its relation to like a physical body and stuff. Um, I would say that's obviously a lot more elegant of a, uh, of a method, but you have to wonder like. Obviously, Kojima and the team would have seen Ghost on the Shell. And there's a lot of, like, similarities there. Like, all this stuff about genes and, like, human memory and stuff. Well, and I think they're... Like, these these ideas were around at the time, right? right? Like, this was, for me, definitely, like, my first exposure to these ideas. But, uh, you know, I wasn't wasn't in university at the time. I wasn't... (laughs) (laughs) I think it would be less sort of mind-blowing to i guess i would have watched ghost in the shell before this but i certainly didn't understand it yeah i mean that's that's a dense dense I, thing too i kept watching when i was a kid thinking this time <laughs> next time i'm gonna get yeah it. um what is it that they say in small boy unit is the thing that they say <laughs> in this game that's like on the level of super baby method i <laughs> thought this this the super baby method houseman moment in this is the s3 plan it doesn't stand for selection for societal sand or yeah. i it always forget the solid, solid snake, snake simulation, simulation. It actually which way huh. yeah it's well, the other it way around selection for, for societal sanity yeah <laughs> oh okay and <laughs> the interesting thing about that is that it's like the s3 plan or whatever is like obviously analogized to like the player mm-hmm. or the video game itself is like a thing that makes you act a certain way which again is something like it's like that's like one of the primary fixations of video games now but like in both of these games it's been like foregrounded it's a lot more i like it in this game because it's a lot more nuanced i think it's not it's, yeah. it's also not as accusatory it's sort of saying that yeah it's not saying hey you you piece of shit the player it's um from a first person perspective you know bioshock style it's more so saying this is kind of 
an easy way to allow yourself to be to kind of not question different narratives and modes of behavior like it's it's essentially just trying to say hey think about this not saying hey you're <laughs> you're a scumbag for playing the game that i right. made for you to play because you have you have Raiden like explicitly like arguing with a person saying that which i think goes a long way yeah He's like, what are you talking about? This is a role-playing game. Like, what do you mean I shouldn't sit so close to the TV? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Excuse me. I think the the difference between that and a Spec Ops The Line as well is that they they throw a little shade their own way by aligning themselves with the... Yeah, the role of the patriots and the colonels. It's like saying, well, we're, we're complicit in this as well. You know, we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're the ones providing the entertainment. You're just, you know, you're the one that's imbibing it. Yeah. Um, and I, uh, yeah, I, it's so much more so. I mean, I, I still think that the point is always a little trite, you know. Uh, <laughs> you're reading the book the right way. <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, it's um, sort of like the, the, the funny games, My, Michael Hannon. Yeah, yeah, where it's like, yeah. right. Don't yeah. they look at the camera at the end of Funny Games? Yeah. They look at the camera throughout Funny Games. The implicating <laughs> gaze. Yeah, that's right. Michael, <laughs> Michael Haneke's implicating gaze. Um, there's a band name for you. Um, and but it, it's as annoying then as it is, I think, in, even in Metal Gear Solid 2 and it's in Bioshock yeah. and in Spec Ops The Line. But I think, if it, I think in video game land that Metal Gear Solid 2 did it better than anybody the best iteration of it is probably Metal Gear Solid 1 right because they make a lot of the same points but it's it's subtextual it's not yeah okay yeah yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, by I the guess time you get to like fission what is it fission mailed yeah the game over screen I liked that but mm. yeah it, it's all on the table at that point it is yeah it is um the character stuff, though, maybe that should be the last thing we talk about. I think we should talk about this a bit, though, because listen, I'm only going to record a podcast about Metal Gear Solid Two once in my life. So if it's yeah, I don't, I don't mind, I don't mind pushing it a bit. But yeah, let's talk about the the actual characters. So we got. You want to talk about Emma? Yeah, because I I'm confused as to my own feelings on that character. <laughs> in the in the on the one hand, I find her very endearing and sort yeah. of tragic and sad and i think that, that her death is very very poignant and i think that the actor who plays otacon cries really really well and says damn really really well and things like that <laughs> and I, I think it is actually quite powerful uh, on the other hand i can never hear him during that because i'm always crying so loud <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure if she's a little tokenistic and um, kind of passed between the guys, you know, like ride and carry. You know, she's a kind of frail and pathetic. Like there's that awful bit where you have to clear out the cockroaches or else she won't walk over them. Yeah. And then uh. he has to sort of hold her hand. Uh, he's holding her hand, and she's because she's meant to be kind of still un- partially under the effects of some sort of like muscle relaxant. Mm-hmm. He's holding her hand, and he's like walking her along, and it looks like it's like almost exactly the same pose as like Clint Eastwood and Clyde in Every Which Way But Loose when he's walking around with that monkey, or, or Anthony Hopkins 
and John Hurt in The Elephant Man. He's just walking around with this kind of like yeah. She's like not even yeah. She's not even looking in front of her. Sort of. She's no. like sort of curled up as he drags yeah. her along. Yeah, your little pet like woman. Um, oh god, you can like you can actually knock her out there and just like straight up yeah, carry her. That's right. Jesus. Just, yeah, you can knock her out and just drag her along. Yeah. So, oh god, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to take my female character into the next cutscene. What a burden. It. Uh, she also has like a, a fairly complex backstory and like this like phobia of swimming. Yeah. Which is like, of course, perfectly germane to the flooded area of the big shell that you <laughs> yeah, have to yeah, travel yeah. through. Yeah. Uh, um, and then the, there's also like some Otakon backstory that gets brought up there, and the the, rela- the relationship between the two of them is very strange and strained. I don't know. I didn't quite understand everything that happens there, up to and including Otakon being like, uh, her mom seduced me. Yeah. So his <laughs> Otakon's dad married Emma's mom, uh-huh. and then Otakon had it off with Emma's mum and then Otacon's dad drowned himself out of breath. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yeah. Otacon's dad, Huey. Oh. Yeah. From, from latter installments. Okay. Huey Lewis in the news. Jesus it's a, an increasingly stupid thing that happens as this goes on is unfortunately then instead of Otacon's dad just being you know, Otacon's dad, who has this past. It's like, no, 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 here, here's what he was like growing up. He invented vaping, actually, so he's not all bad. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> he invented vaping in Peace Walker. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think Emma herself, like, as a character, is interesting because she's, like, an actual, like, genius, right? And she's, like, invented this, like, virus, and she's, like, a computer whiz. And then, yeah, she has, like, this very girlish fragility that they give her. Um, which is almost at odds with, like, her stated abilities and stuff. Like, Mm. before you meet her, you're not expecting this sort of, this sort of, like, uh, traumatized character. Mm. They do in these games over and over again, and I think it's interesting, but it has all sorts of other implications when it's uh, a woman, yeah. Uh, for the character, but like characters like Otacon, who you meet at first, and Emma is kind of like this, and Emma's obviously supposed to be kind of the Otacon, right, for Raiden. Yeah. Um, but it she doesn't get to develop as much. But these characters who you meet them, and you first meet them, and you're like, these, you know, they're supposed to be pathetic in comparison to, mm-hmm. you know, I think Emma even, like, pees herself, too, just like Otacon yeah, did, right? She's, she's, she's this game's peer. Yeah. You gotta have... Yeah. You gotta have someone, and then I always really want to hurry up to the section where you go into the water because I don't think it's good to be sitting in your own pee like that. <laughs> um, but so she has this thing where I think it's like kind of interesting where these games that are very like martial, but also have these characters who it's like well these characters who um, are quite intelligent and have become very skilled at you know technology in in these cases but are yeah just no bones about it like just not uh brave and are not you know willing to be in gunfights and to do various things and emma is 
a whole other level of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always like she doesn't bother me maybe as much as I think like Fortune is kind of just like sort of just kicked around for this entire game. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really get her deal. Her dad is the guy from the beginning of the game who's like giving a speech from the Marines. Oh, good. Is it Golukovic? Is that who that is? No, that's or is that Olga's dad. It's Olga's dad. Olga's dad is Golukovic. Uh, Fortune's dad is Marine Commander Scott Dolph. Oh, that's right. Yeah, 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 Dolph. And Scott Dolph is having a relationship with Vamp. What? Yeah. Scott, Scott Dolph. Dolph. You gotta. <laughs> Not Scott. Wait. You mean my friend Scott? Is having. <laughs> I thought Fortune was in a relationship with Vamp. They both are. That's the creepy thing. I've never ever... I've played this game probably, and I'm not even exaggerating, 50 times. And I've never, ever caught that before. God. Okay. So, you don't, talk. Don't Google it. I believe you. We'd have to look it up. <laughs> Scott Dolph Vamp. Yeah, Dolph was rumored to be bisexual, having had a relationship with Vamp. Says... Scott Dolph's entry to the Metal Gear wiki. <laughs> the right, character. Okay. Is, that, okay. is that something you can find in the game, though? Is uh, that like a codec call or something? Yeah, I think this was like on playthrough like 7 when I, you know, owned <laughs> this and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater Underground for my oh. PlayStation that I discovered this. Um, Interesting. Which is sort of, I think, something that comes up in these games is... And especially in in Metal Gear Solid 2, is the idea of like these traumatic relationships that, when it's done a little bit better, the sexual elements that Kojima like wants to get into are tied to trauma in interesting ways. So Fortune is like, you know, in this sort of like weird uh, codependent relationship with Vamp, which is funny to yeah. say out loud, where he like calls her his queen, and which is very yeah. very 2018 of him. And uh, <laughs> and she like you know they're both like everything is terrible but we have each other you know we love each other and we'll murder yes. everyone but he also is probably up to something else and he was like sleeping with her dad which is creepy that's, yeah that's strange. if I honestly if I didn't know better because he's got children I'd swear Hideo Kojima has never had sex yeah because because like his idea of we've talked about this before his idea of like a, a, a whirlwind romance is we went back to your flat and watched king kong a load of times while arguing about yeah it. His i idea feel of, bad for people he's dated and yeah. his idea of you know love between vamp and fortune is this very sort of teenage you know it's us against the world mm-hmm. um yeah thing that you that you you know you might have had with like your first boyfriend or girlfriend in high school or whatever well and then you get to like um, yeah. metal gear solid 4 and you have fucking johnny sasaki and meryl yeah which again which it's is like, like you know let's they're... we should don't go into depth ask for no, no, to... no 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 okay no 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 but their, their relationship again it's like what a teenage boy would imagine he wants to be like around his girlfriend um well yeah the stuff between raiden and rose in this game before the ending is like She'll just, like, call you up and be like, hey, I want to talk. And it's like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) it's just a very, like, it seems very out of place in this situation for them to just be, like, sort of chatting as a couple. Yeah. But it's also, I think, betrays a a 
quasi cynical view of women. Like, oh, they just keep ringing, yeah. wanting to yeah, talk yeah. about their bullshit. Like, <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, Although I do think I think Rose eventually is a an extremely interesting character, or at least the stuff that she talks about. It, or maybe is that an AI? Maybe so. Maybe I don't well, understand. That's, that's, that's the AI version of Rose. Uh, yeah, when she's like, that, the, the human you were Rose. pretending, and I was pretending, and then the Ryden human is Rose like, exits when okay. when she says your 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 That's the that's the <laughs> oh. end of the human Rose. Okay, so all right, damn. Um, yeah, <laughs> she's kind of yeah. And then there was this, I think the, the thing, you know, the, all these things, the ingrained opinions about Metal Gear Solid 2 is, is Rose is so annoying and she's always asking what day it is. And I think, right. so this is like why I think maybe Emma is a little bit more successful for, for them writing a woman than these other characters. Like, you know, these, these women who are just sort of like based around their relationships with men you know even olga is uh becomes based on her relationship between her father and her baby you know that that's who that's what she is she's a mother but she's a daughter and and that's her existence even though she has other things going on and it's just sort of like i don't know Uh, you can like almost oh sorry no i was just gonna say i think that the the way that everyone is defined by either like their reputation or their relationship to somebody else is sort of a constant across the whole cast, right? Sort of, but you think of like Raiden who, well, I don't know. And one thing that's hard for me too is like trying to now think of this game sort of in isolation or as just the sequel to Metal Gear Solid 1. Yes. Because I think you could make like pretty strong arguments that, despite the worst stuff he does, I shouldn't say he like the the team who write who wrote these games do, they were like trying something. They were you know, they were trying to make sort of every character a fully fleshed out human, and then, it. But you look at like what you end up with, and especially in like. Uh, Phantom Pain and Ground Zeroes and fucking Peace Walker and yes. Four and it it just it's worse and worse and worse and you, you sort of see the seeds of it even when it's not as blatant in these mm-hmm. games. I don't know. Uh, what what do we think about Vamp? Ed. Uh... <laughs> do you know why he's called Vamp? This has never made sense to me ever. I mean, it's it's because he's well, yeah, and he's bisexual, right? Is like what people say. But have you ever heard someone call a bisexual person a vamp? No, a vamp is like a a temptress. It's a woman who's like sort of like loose or whatever the fuck, like some thirties. I wish you'd use in like the thirties. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. No, that I never got that one. Vamp's a fucking doof. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he he's not. He didn't make much of an impact on me, except for the fact that you just have to keep fighting him. Yeah, that's a constant. Wait, well, I don't like that character. I I, I remember. I remember. Um, 
in the, the little DVD making of Metal Gear Solid 2 that uh, was bundled with the special edition of the game. Um, there's a quick interview with one of the character designers. It might be Yoji Shinkawa himself. Mm. And he says, I, I remember the day Mr. Kojima came to tell me that he wanted to, there to be a vampire in Metal Gear Solid 2. <laughs> At first I thought he was joking, but then I realized he was completely serious. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I can... If, what, you know what I mean? I don't think it's any more outlandish really than Cyborg Ninja or right, yeah. like Vulcan Raven particularly or whatever or Psycho Mantis but just It's a lot it's... Yeah, well I, I think the, the problem is that the thing that makes Vamp stand out is because I think that those characters in the original Metal Gear Solid are kind of accepted in world whereas in Metal Gear Solid 2 they keep there's, I think there's like more than one conversation about what the fuck is that? What? How is he doing that? What? What is yes. this? And, you, and you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't know. <laughs> and that, they, they ask the question, but no one answers it. Or the answers that, that are provided are really mealy-mouthed. Whereas in, you know, I remember this, that, that cutscene in Metal Gear Solid 1 where you first see Psycho Mantis and Naomi says something like, oh, you must have been receiving psychometric interference from Psycho Mantis. And Snake just yeah. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And or, or it's like, oh, it's his mind control music is playing now. Like, yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, whereas, yeah, the first time you meet Vamp, Ryan's like, oh, it didn't seem natural, it didn't seem normal, what was going on? And, yeah, I don't know, I, it didn't, didn't fit. And then, yeah, he just keeps fucking popping up. I do like the scene that's, you know, because there's so many of these scenes that are like analogs to things like Shadow Moses stuff. Where I and I do like the scene where you come across Vamp and he's like drinking the blood of these soldiers he's killed, um, and it's like just sort of it's like very like the tone shifts all of a sudden because up until then it's been very you know this is your mission Ryden you're doing this and this and proceed through this elevator press this button and then you like <laughs> you come through this door. And it's mm. just creepy, and there's blood all over the place. And it's, you know, it's supposed to, I think, be like the ninja mm-hmm. uh, hallway scene where it becomes sort of horror for yeah. Yeah, that, a little that bit. Yeah, that bit is nice. But yeah, he just, there's nothing to him, really. Yeah. He's just like a dog. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of all the, like, boss characters in, in that game. I remember that's what I was disappointed about when yeah, I played it for the first man. time. Fat Man... The whole bomb expert, yeah, the whole like feud between these two bomb makers or bomb diffusers has like, uh, I don't know, not the most gripping thing to like start the game with, or like the game proper. I don't think he ever does villains again. Um, Like bigger villains, he does. uh, He they do a, a, a pretty good job of, but. You don't have them integrated in the story as well, I think, is like the Shadow no. Moses villains. No. They're not as sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all sort of just caricatures and stuff. And they it's... are. Psycho Manus is sad. They're caricatures up until the point where in Metal Gear Solid 3, where they're just called, you know, the, the noun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, although, yeah. yeah, I kept thinking about the sniper wolf scene because I actually flashback to that. And yeah, there's nothing like that here. 
Not even that. Not even when Emma dies, because the way they put that scene together is very bizarre. Like you have Raiden and Snake are sort of just like using a computer as she dies, and they're like, "Oh, how is she?" And Otakon's like, "Oh, she's not good." And they're like, "Okay, uh, do you think this virus will work?" <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, if it's supposed to imply some kind of callousness on their part, it sort of comes out of nowhere. Um, I think it. Like, Snake's callousness makes more sense. You know, that okay, he's... yeah. But Otacon, that's like his, you know, his stepsister who he has this really complicated relationship with and she's fucking yeah, bleeding it's, out right next it's to It's almost happening in the background. Like, like there's a, he cries and then they tell him to, like, go do something and then he breaks down again. And it's just, like, the, the way they put these scenes together, it was a little... A little strange. I don't know. It didn't hit me like the sniper wolf thing did. What did you think about um, the relationship between Snake and Otacon in this one? Um, so they start the game as sort of like, I don't know, like agitators, right? They're like going to take pictures of a Metal Gear. I like that as being like what they yeah, were doing it after. Seems like a, yeah, it seems like a, a, the right direction for them to be going in after the first game but then after that i don't really know because they try and they don't try that hard but they sort of obscure the fact that it is solid snake and otacon is a little bit evasive about that or it almost seems like no one just wants to tell raiden even though they would have no reason not to like they're not part of the patriots Mm -hmm. plan or whatever so it made it a little difficult to get a read on like what was actually going on I like, I, I think there's, and there's like the, the, all sorts of other things like this is, I think where you get a lot of the, the, I think very well supported queer reading of Metal Gear where Snake and Otacon are like the only, again, it's like, <laughs> I guess like the vamp fortune thing of like, it's the two of them against the world. And I was just thinking about that in terms yes. of like, there's a scene where Emma dies and Snake, who's like so taciturn and everything, like hugs him, and then they have like their secret bro handshake, and then oh walk God, out. Oh God, that's right, yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. He like <laughs> he's like you good, and then they do their handshake, and then he collapses in the court. <laughs> but it's like actually kind of a, um, it's like it's sort of a human moment when of like actual yeah, yeah. friendship and, I and love for. And that's I would want if I went back through it, it would be to like see the progression of their relationship. But it it I think it's just like it's in different. It's like they're like this together, and then you know this much time has passed, and they're like this now. Yeah, that's like one of the only one of the only interesting character kind of things in four. I think is is seeing their relationship progress at that point yeah um yeah you know who's shit who solid as snake yeah he's a he's a bit of a a tool solid as snake is stupid stupid name so his deal is like he's basically he's he's another he's he's the former president yeah He's the president that Ocelot was talking to on the phone at the end of the first Metal Gear Solid. Oh, fuck, really? 
and they don't do they never mention it no one ever goes <laughs> hang on this guy's this guy was the president no, no. One they, ever they, says it george okay, sears that makes the ending that makes the ending a lot more like i guess symbolically well, it, it ought to but again it doesn't yeah. really come into it no one That's says weird. oh yeah you're fighting the ex-president so what he went off and formed this sort of like paramilitary group at dead cells or whatever dead cell yeah so he he so he's like as, foxhound 2.0 yeah he was the president and he was sick of taking orders from the patriots so he <laughs> connived with ocelot to steal arsenal gear to turn that against the patriots okay. right but ocelot is working for the patriots for the patriots yeah, yeah. Oh, jesus christ i know it's exhausting and so then, then in the end, it's Liquid who takes over Solidus because he's like in... Or takes, he takes over Ocelot. Ocelot. No, yeah. but, but the, well, you, you'll... No, not exactly. Yes, but no. <laughs> in, Metal, in Metal Gear Solid 4, that is oh, underwritten. He's li he, well, he becomes Liquid Ocelot. He becomes Liquid, but no, but he's not really Liquid <laughs> Ocelot either. No, he? No, he, no, he really isn't. No, he's For, not. 4 is okay. it. People so talk about like how. The, is this the move they keep doing, like in Metal Gear Solid Five, where it's like that actually wasn't Big Boss? Yeah, they go yes. pretty deep on that shit. Of, okay. Which I yeah. is probably my least favorite tendency of these. Yeah, games. Yeah, that seems frustrating. Mm. Um, um, but yeah, Solidus Snake, stupid name. No yeah. one says they should really make a bigger deal out of the fact that he used to be the president. Yeah, they mention yeah, it. I, I think I like literally no idea. I think they mention it like maybe the first time you run into him like yeah. like it's like they definitely tell you but then it just doesn't come up again no also what was he doing in liberia then was uh, this like i don't when know he was just a sender and like organizing like child soldiers i don't know i don't know he's raiden's dad or not his dad but like his he's his sort of pseudo dad yeah he's his mentor and He's the big boss to you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, he's your big boss. Oh, God. It's... Anyway, is that enough? <laughs> is that enough on Metal Gear Solid 2? Um, yeah, I mean... There... I don't know how much I have to say about the game as a whole without like uh linking it to the first game like it seems so much to rely on you having played that and like being prepared for the event of a sequel and that's like the entire strategy of the game is to sort of yeah. scuttle that yeah I, I think that's why there are very solid arguments of people who are like this is the best one by far but i just i can never yeah, feel I... like i can really say that because I feel like it, it, you have to have it right next to the other one. Like they're they're connected. In Metal Gear Solid One, it can just be on its own. Yeah, which I prefer that. But I guess we'll see how I feel going on. Um, I, if you had seen Raiden's penis when he's naked, I think I would have liked it more. Yeah, I think they should he, have like, done that. Keeps, those he cowards. keeps a real tight grip on it, even if you do like the spin kick. Well, it like pixelates, just, doesn't it? No, his hand is, like, glued uh, to his crotch, yeah. I think there's, like, you can almost, like, see some <laughs> some balls or something, but I think it, like, pixelates. I think I remember at one point trying to see if they modeled. That's what I was doing, yeah. 
but no dice. I think in in these days they would have. Probably. Don't you? I think it was just back then they couldn't push too far. Okay. His hands go through his crotch like Jason Biggs in American Pie. (laughs) 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 To Alien Ant Farm's Smooth Criminal. Oh no. Um, but yeah, what's what's our rating for this one? Seven out, out of ten. ten. Seven out of ten. Okay. A strong, a, a bold seven out of ten. People. So the critics, uh, Gamespot and IGN both had really positive reviews of this game when it came out, but they also like don't even mention the plot. Yeah, well, it's not important. You can shoot an ice cube and it melts. Yeah, literally. That's like, yeah. It's like, oh, you can tear up these papers. I remember... You joke, but I remember being absolutely blown away by that. No, no that no. stuff is great. Yeah, definitely... I love all those details. And stuff. I'm not saying it's not cool, but I mean... I was just shocked. Yeah, I was shocked no one was like, yo... Uh, this game's wild. Here's what this is about, yeah. No, because they... And I think that's like why later it got this reputation. It's just being like, oh, this game's just fucking nuts, man. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. It's just like you okay. go along and then... like. Yeah, I think the reason it probably did so well is because it was like technologically super impressive when it came out, and it was Metal yes. Gear Solid Two. Um, is it true? So is this apocryphal, or is it actually true that people were mad that you play as Raiden? I think no, people were mad. That was, no, that was true. That was true. That was true. Okay. I think my sample size yeah. was like a handful of friends who played it too, and they were like, "Oh, weird," but they weren't mad. Okay. Yeah, because I know the early trailers were, like, all Snake, and there was, like, a lot more, like, action stuff in those. So it was, like, mm-hmm. obviously a calculated misdirection. But I didn't know if people actually got mad or if that was, like, a just a sort of, like, a story. People were mad about Raiden, and Metal Gear Solid from then on offers an apology for that in two ways. Oh, no. In Metal Gear Solid 3... There's a Raiden-esque character called Major Ivan Raidanovich Rykov, who looks just like Raiden. And the reason that he's a risible, laughable, pitiful individual is that he's gay. So that's the mm-hmm. big joke there. Oh, no, really? Joke mm-hmm. on joke, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's gay, and he wears a thong. So, yeah. so fuck him. Um, uh, and then and isn't then there it, a thing, too, with, like, if you pick at the beginning you can have like a ride and mask for camouflage and then like ride a mask snake yeah. is like i was like starting to irritate myself or something when he takes it yeah, off yeah yeah i hate this fucking bullshit <laughs> get, oh my get gosh, this fucking okay. shit off my face that's uh, weird because of how how like queer this, these two games were already like ryan seems like yeah. a logical extension yeah and then in but... Metal Gear 4 they make Raiden into the ninja okay because that's cool yeah, he becomes. They rehabilitate him by making him the cool ninja character. Oh, so duh, because oh, yeah, he's. Fuck, yeah, Raiden's the fucking ninja now. Yeah, that's hype as shit. He's in that, uh, the Platinum game, right? That's Raiden. He is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is a good game, actually. It's just not a Metal Gear Solid, so therefore yeah. it cannot be. <laughs> you can't speak of it anymore. <laughs> that's a first and last time. <laughs> um. Yeah, well, that's disappointing because I yeah re or Ed, I think in the end you're right that Raiden, uh, his position in the game and just like what they do with him is more interesting than Snake because Snake is like 
he's like snake is different than you would expect from looking at him but he's consistently that way through the whole game yeah he's just a dollard i think one thing too that like i think my reaction at the time was i felt like sort of strange like i was talking about like with that stuff at the beginning when it switches all of a sudden to this new setting and i think i kept waiting to play as snake again um Mm -hmm. and then when i had finished it i wasn't angry but i i was like oh so maybe there's like some version of this game that's going to come out where you play from snake's perspective um because Uh, because i was like kingdom hearts uh chain of memories yeah (laughs) and there's the cards and stuff classic yeah but like yeah it was like i was like a a child right so i had gamer brain like so i was i was like saying no this can't be an artistic statement of its own it has to be i want it to let me play as the guy i like i was expecting that too actually because because the entire beginning is from you play as snake and i was thinking maybe like raiden would die or something or he would get like incapacitated i guess the closest you get is letting snake snipe for you if you're done sniping in that section well and like that part too when you like fight alongside him like when it's still going going all wild and yeah and snake like puts on the snake gear again you know yeah he has his bandana finally. yeah it's infinite ammo it confirmed it's... that it is solid snake yeah <laughs> it blew my mind <laughs> um yeah but that is a uh, bad game that's music is really good that's uh harry gregson williams yeah. the old hgw yeah the old uh <laughs> harry greggs that's what i call him yeah um that that was actually that was like a big thing at the time too like playing the demo of this and and it had like music that sounded like you know the rock you know you were like this is this is like some real like michael bay could have made this i'm only borrowing your humvee (laughs) that's 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 my sean connery and the rock impression yeah losers losers whine about their best Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla, Carla was the prom queen. Have <laughs> <laughs> uh, you ever heard that song, Rocket Man? <laughs> it's you. Uh, you're the Rocket Man. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh, yeah, there's that. Let's call it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Boy, so I is that I is it just the ringer off my phone, but I can't. Is that is that just plugs now? Yeah, na- oh, now. Yeah, the book. Do. The book is coming out. Yeah, so all of this thinking and talking and writing about Metal Gear Solid is uh, being put to some use, which is the book OK Hero. If you go to okherobook.tumblr.com, that's T U M B L R dot com you can read more about okay i know yeah modern right Mm -hmm. Uh, if you go to there you can read more about okay hero it's a compilation of essays on metal gear solids one two three four peace walker and five written by reed astrid and myself and that's coming out in the due course of time uh in the meantime 
Yeah, I was just going to say, just in terms of, like, because, you know, we, we announced it and then have said, essentially, we'll say when it's coming out. We're just not saying yet because we want to make sure that we can say, hey, it's going to come out on this date when we know we're close to being done. And so we yeah. can, like, yeah. do it properly. So if anyone is wondering, hey, you know, I'd like a, an actual date or something. Unfortunately, it's the three of us and we're chipping away at this in our spare time, so. Yeah. I, again, haven't played these before. This is really, <laughs> for Astrid, it's... it's uh, Not only do I have to play them, I have to formulate uh, a take. Mm-hmm. Got to put together a take. This is sort of like taking like a, a doctorate in, in Metal Gear Studies, <laughs> but condensed. Uh, you know, usually you would get seven years to... Ed and I have had a lifetime. <laughs> yeah, uh, lifelong Metal Gear researchers. But yeah, we're we're getting there. Yeah, and while, but, we're, getting uh, there, while we're getting there, you got these podcasts. They'll be they'll be coming out regularly. You've got Bullet Points Monthly, where we cover uh, games like um, Titanfall Two. And, um, <laughs> Why don't you grab that one from your mind? The Evil Within 2. And, uh, <laughs> Wolfenstein 2. Yeah. Wolfenstein Destiny 2. Mm. Do you ever... Yeah, Des- yeah. Do you ever look at the sidebar on the site and think about how just crass video games are? When it's like, here's Wolfenstein 2. Here's fucking Mafia 3. Which is a good mm. game. It's Mafia 3. Mafia <laughs> like, 3. Yeah. Even like, this month is Red Dead Redemption. Two. Mm. Well, yeah, we can go that. We've we've covered such uh, cast iron classics as um, Ghost uh, Recon Wildlands, <laughs> Vampire, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ghost Recon oh. Wildlands, uh, and yeah, it's uh, it's, th- it's called uh, Vampire because it's bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> Metal Gear Survive and uh, Bethesda's Bethesda's Prey. <laughs> Um, so yeah that's over on bulletpointsmonthly.com you can also listen to more episodes of this podcast at bulletpointspodcast.com and if you like all of this stuff you can go to patreon.com forward slash bulletpoints to donate some money towards its continuance and you get stuff too because uh, you know you can't we, we, we give back <laughs> we, we take but yeah, we give we bring back we give back we take what we give. We're like we're like God in that respect. <laughs> I've always said so, that. It's uh yeah, yeah. My my Facebook cover what, what, photo is, what, what, is me touching fingers with Master Chief. What were we thinking the month where we did Vampire? Just it looked what, whose idea was that? Christ. I think it was me and Astrid were both responsible. Yeah, I, I was That game was it was one. fine. It, it was, was fine. Not fine, it was Bullshit. The main character's name was Reed. What was he? Jonathan Reed. Yeah. What's, what did he say when he ate rats? <laughs> yeah. He, he, he like, was like, like... Every time you ate... <laughs> he was like, ugh. Oh, no. He's like, this is despicable. <laughs> this is despicable. <laughs> this is despicable. <laughs> it's like me, like, eating, like, Popeye's chicken or something hungover. It's like, ugh. <laughs> what have I become? <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, you can listen to our discussion on Vampire over at all the uh, aforementioned <laughs> web addresses. We uh, had a good we had a good guest article from Dan Freeze. We that. did. That's true. That's, That's true. Yeah. That's true. And a good podcast with him. Okay, so until next time on this special series of Metal Gear podcasts, I'll say goodbye for me, Ed Smith. Goodbye for me, Reed McCarter. Uh, bye.